Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello there. Welcome to the conversation. As usual, we have uh, an amazing guest on today, someone that David and I both have had the pleasure of working with on several occasions, several occasions. Um, this particular individual is pretty prolific in the local market here. I feel like I don't think I've ever been on a production where he's not involved on it, which is kind of funny. It's almost like it feels weird when he's not. Like, where's Sean? Um, but um, he um, he's he's a local actor um, who, because he also um, uh, is also a, a qualified stunt performer, he um, is probably why he's the perfect choice. Because in in video games, often we have you know cutscenes that have a lot of action in them, so he's super versatile. Um, um, he's also kind of a pretty big, um, I don't know. I, I think he'd probably wear this as a badge, but he's just like us. He's cut from the same cloth. I would call, I'll call him a professional nerd. I'll let him get into that a little bit. And, um, and, uh, you'll see kind of what I'm talking about. Cause he's, uh, he does a lot of fan films and I, he's just awesome. So I'm excited to have him on today. His name's Sean Bateshu, but of course, before we bring him on, I'm going to bring in David so we can kind of prime it up. Let's bring in Dave. Hello. Hey Brent. How are you? So it's official. We are rebranding this stream as the conversation in that conversation. I, with. I, oh, is, is, that, is that what we're going to do? Okay, I like it. I that, like it. That's what we're going to do it's, now. It, it rings official. true? Okay, done. <laughs> T-shirts are going to be printed next week. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Sean is, is pretty um, amazing. And when we discussed a couple of months ago, we mainly had animators, uh, animation director and all that. Say, and at some point, like, okay, let's diversify with other expertise that are kind of in periphery yeah. of uh, animation, but uh, uh, could complement those discussions pretty well. Yeah. And then when you talk about, okay, like actors are one of them, uh, Sean obviously was one of our top of the list. So yeah. let's say that today is the, the third conversation of the three-part conversation yeah. that we started with uh, Elias and then yep. uh, uh, Ember a couple That's of right. weeks back. And now yeah. let's conclude this uh with uh with sean be... that's it let's save the saved uh the, the amazing sean, sean beat you for last i i think yep. um the interesting thing about doing this just for you those in chat is because you probably hear us talk a lot about um how actors and animators are kind of really existing in the same plane they're just two sides of the same coin they just they 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 the way that they 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 accomplish their task is might be very different, but a lot of the same rationale and thinking should be shared. Um, because at the end of the day, we're worried about making sure that characters feels properly motivated on the screen and they look good in front of the camera. Well, that is exactly what actors are doing um, in real time, where we're kind of doing it in a sort of a frame by frame, sort of slowed down, um, you know dilated uh, time scale sense right so i think a lot of the stuff that comes up in these conversations should be extremely applicable so mm -hmm. let's bring in the one and only sean bitch and see what he's got to say hello sean what's up guys how are you were you offended by my professional nerd comment probably not. i wore it like a badge of honor just like that's, you said that's good. that's good i wore it proudly uh thanks for the great intro guys uh mm. means a lot I, I would just like to say for my part you have both been amazing guys to work with and uh 
you know, you guys go back to my earlier days of mocap. So my mm. feel and my relationship mm. with mocap was very much largely influenced by you guys. Um, mm. And it was a very positive one. So mm. awesome. Pleasure to be here today and to talk with you guys about this stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> so l l let's test this first question out of the way. How, Sean, have you worked on all of the game produced in Montreal? <laughs> or is that just Probably a rumor or there's some <laughs> truth? <in it? laughs> I wish that were true. I wish that were 100% true. I've worked on a lot of games. A lot. Um, a lot. Uh, for a while, I had worked on every Assassin's Creed game that had mm. come out in some capacity. It started larger and then got smaller because uh, I do more and more like character stuff or living world stuff. Um, now there have been plenty of games that haven't had me in it, uh, in them. Um, but, you know, I was actually uh, not for narcissistic reasons, but I was counting out how many credits I actually had because uh, someone asked, was asking me. Uh, and it was just a rough calculations because voice and mocap both count as video game credits for me, but some of them overlap, of course. Some I just do voice, some I just do mocap, some I do both. But it was around like, I think 70 or something. Um, oh, man. Which I find pretty awesome uh, and pretty cool. So uh, yeah, I've been in a lot of games, but uh, my, my goal is one day to, to be in every single game that comes out all the time. And then people will <laughs> get Sean Fatigue. And, uh, <laughs> is that even a thing? I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I don't, not yet. I don't think it's a thing yet. <laughs> so, so, so something that you mentioned, Sean, that you started, you know, in your early days, and that's something that we've uh, uh, covered briefly with uh, Amber as well, that we had a couple of weeks ago, was in when you guys started, it was a little bit in a um, weird because because you know uh, back in the days. Uh, um, you know, animation in game and performance was almost like a, a thing on the side. And then eventually it started to evolve to a point that, oh, now maybe it makes sense. We have the tech and the means uh, to benefit from good actors. But in the beginning, it was still like you had voiceover that you had to mimic on top of the voiceover or yeah. sometimes it was the other way around. So from the beginning to now, you know, uh, full performance capture that all of your performance uh, is. Uh, is captured. How would you describe your first experience of, um, uh, you know, mocap in 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 game? So when was it, and what what was it like? So uh, that's a great question, actually. Um, so I, my earliest memory of anything having to do with mocap is I was at Game On Studios. Um, for your listeners, Game On is a Montreal studio that does. You started off doing voice, but now has expanded into mocap. Um, I was at Game On when they were back on, when they were on Saint Laurent Street, mm -hmm. and uh, I was early either for a booking or an audition. I forget which. I think it might have been an audition. I was pretty early, uh, so actors take note. Showing up early can have big benefits sometimes. Um, and I look out on the little they had this little terrace area at the back, and I see Simon Peacock there. For your listeners, Simon is one of the uh, premier uh, voice uh, directors in Montreal. And friend of mine, so uh, and he was talking to some guy I didn't know. So I came out and I'm like, "Hey guys, do you mind if I join you? I've got some time to spare." You know, they were having lunch, and they're like, "Yeah, come on, sit down." So Simon introduced introduced me to this man named Sylvain, and I'm like, "What do you do, Sylvain?" He says, "Oh, I uh, I run the mocap studio at uh, Ubisoft." Sorry, was it Sylvain Bernard? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, Sylvain Small Bernard word. is the guy who got me started. Uh, so. Um, Sylvain says, you know, I, I do this mocap stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, mocap. Like, what is that? Like, I hadn't really ever heard of it just in passing a little. And he kind of explained what it was. And I did something I'd never done before. And I don't think I've ever done since, which is I kind of pitched myself. Uh, <laughs> not 
not physically. I didn't assault the man, but I'm like, <laughs> listen, man, you know, if ever you're looking for actors, uh, you know, I do martial arts. I, I'm a movement guy. Uh, I'm, I'm bilingual. I'm a gamer. Uh, I just like everything that came by my head as, as being useful to this. I told him I was very enthusiastic about it because it sounded super fun acting and video games. Yeah. That's such a crazy concept for me, you know. Um, my, my nerd badge was tingling at the time. Oh, for sure. And uh, he's like, yeah, okay. You know, he says, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you in mind that, you know, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. And I was like, cool, thanks. In the back of my head, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to hear from this guy. He probably gets the spiel, the spiel like 20 times a oh, day. Yeah, yeah. Like at the grocery store, basically, everywhere yeah, he goes. You know, and it's such a, like a actor, beginning actor thing to go, oh, hey, if ever you're yeah. looking for actors, yes, they're so hard to find. So few people want acting jobs. <laughs> let me let me give this one to you. So I just kind of put it out of my mind. And two weeks later, I got a call from my agent saying that Ubisoft wanted me to come in and do a half day of mocap. Um, so I went. Uh, it went super well. I had, a, I think, a pretty good affinity for it. Um, and then I don't really remember the job it was for. But I know that not long after that, uh, the auditions for Assassin's Creed 2 came up. And uh, I auditioned for Machiavelli, and I got the part. And so like my, I'd you know, broken into mocap a bit. Machiavelli had a lot of mocap to do. So then I got hired on as Machiavelli, and I also went on to play Father Maffei, and then I also played Duccio. And then they kept me on to do all sorts of just mocap stuff mm. to play Sean, the... Um, the scientist guy in the real world. Mm. I forget it. Hastings, I think is his name. Uh, so I did all of Sean's mocap. And that was the experience I remember the most, which is a lot like what David is saying, syncing up to performance. So I remember early days, we had to wear <laughs> the helmet that had like a bunch of cables. It almost looked like oh, yeah. Predator, like cable dreadlocks coming out the back of my head. This thick like knot of cables that went over my shoulder, down my back, and then each actor had a PA, a production assistant, assigned to them yeah. just to maneuver their cables out yeah. of the way so I didn't trip on them because we're moving around. We're yeah. They're like know? carrying around the cables like uh, like a princess's cape or gown, kind right? Of. Yeah. Like, you know, all, they, all I needed was like them to be throwing rose petals and I would have felt right. right at home. So... Uh, <laughs> That I remember, and, and the helmets were like screwed on super tight. They screwed right at the temples, so it was a guaranteed headache. Um, and we had to, this is such a crazy thing for me to think of today with how far things have gone, but we had to get the scripts in advance, usually a few days in advance, learn them by heart, then get to the studio, do our, our ROM, or get ready, and then uh rom sorry for your listeners range of motion is one of the prep things we do calibrate the system and then ask them in the precious minutes we had before the director was like done his coffee and getting into the volume to start be like okay can you play this scene can you play that scene and we'd listen to the actual recording from the actors which we <laughs> wouldn't have heard up until that point um and what's kind of funny is Sean, the guy who played Sean, I forget his name, but he's a pretty well-known British comedian actor guy. And this guy, he, well, he, he talks like this a lot. Oh, he's no. got a lot of weird pauses when he's <laughs> weird packaging in his energy, right? So I'm learning text, which is like, oh, oh well, man. in 1842, this, oh, it would be earlier than that because of Assassin's You know, in 1612, um, the, 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 
the, the mayor of this town did blah, 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 and the queen, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so I'd learn it. Then he's like, in 1942, I'm like, oh, fuck's sake, you can't even say like <laughs> a date without pausing it. So I actually went on YouTube and I would look up all the clips I could find of this guy just doing interviews and acting to learn his cadence and his energy. And I got pretty good at it by the end, or well, maybe by the end, before then, but like I would come in, I'd make certain decisions for him before hearing what he did. And sometimes I'd be right. Uh, so all the actors have to do this, we'd have to learn the timing that the actors delivered and then build our blocking, our movement yeah. around that dialogue. It's crazy. With a PA moving our cables and not tripping over each other and all this stuff. So it was a very involved process. I loved every minute of it. Um, and I've seen the technology evolve continuously uh, over the years to become more wireless, no cables, more actors on set, better data, much greater facial recognition, stuff like that. So, wireless. Uh, wireless, yeah. So early days were a challenge. And uh, I think the thing I like most now, not only the fact that you can actually get your performance captured in your in your mocap suit, you don't have to do it step separately in the studio, but the, the helmets are much more comfortable now. They're much more manageable. So it's no longer a guaranteed headache. You know, I remember used to, when I got quite a few days back in the day, like any day I'd have, I'd come in with this kind of trepidation that like, are we doing helmets today? Mm. Uh, and if the answer was yes, it was like, I'm in uh, a rough day of oh, headaches, no. but it pays a lot more. So think of the money. Uh, <laughs> and then on days where there would be no helmets, it'd be paid less because it's just motion capture. and be like, oh, thank God. I get an easier day. It doesn't pay as well, but it's not going to be as taxing. So I kind of had to you know, weigh those two against each other. Uh, but today, that's not really an issue anymore. You know, I would have loved to have been in the room the day that somebody finally went and said, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we just capture the actual audio recording at the same time right now while we're doing all this stuff and just look at everyone's face going, that's crazy. We can't do that. Can't be done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, course, I mean, I'm just the technology was just waiting to catch up to that. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not. It wasn't just technology. There was a lot of resistance because it just wasn't the way to do things. There was a big firm belief. There still is, and David can vouch for me, uh, for me on this one. There's still a firm belief, especially with a lot of audio directors out there, um, and possibly producers who feel that that's the way that that's that's just how you do it. They, they you know, like when I, whenever we cast and say, look, we want to cast a wide net for performers, but they need to be, we need to th look for the whole gamut because we're looking for someone who's got a good voice who also can act physically um and uh, people automatically go oh come on that's a th you're looking for unicorns it's like uh <laughs> yeah. you mean all the people in film and television are they all <laughs> unicorns? but like literally dave and i have been in these conversations that's literally a lot of the often it's 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 happening it's become much more the minority but at the beginning that's exactly what it was like yeah there's still a lot of legacy there because yeah <laughs> especially at the beginning you know the only actors that would be hired was for, you know, voice acting, That's basically, right. you know, uh, ADR and, and all that. So it was all under the umbrella of audio and audio director and the way that you have them in the boot, you can calibrate the sound. You're... So, it, and eventually it made more and more sense to capture, no, let's just have everything at once, the the, the body, the face and, and the, the, the voice. But it means that 
uh, it's almost like the ownership of the, the force. It was going from, let's say, cinematic department to the audio department. So now you had two different departments that needed to collaborate to, together. Because, of course, the audio director wants to have exactly the same quality of anything that will be recorded in the booth and on the uh, mocap shoot. If you have crappy audio quality, it's just the continuity is not, it's just not going to, to work. Um, so yeah it, it's something that is evolving but you know we, we often tend to forget how rapidly video game are evolving the yeah. tech is evolving way faster than you know culture and mentality and you know comfort zone and, and all of that so so much change in a decade that yes today it's almost a no-brainer for most studio for cinematic if you have the budget for it to to do it with a performance capture but it's still a fight with some, you know, creative yeah. director or, or director or, or even others, even producer that still, you know, let's repeat what worked well not long ago. And for some not long ago means 10, 15 years ago, because well, we released a successful game with this technology. So why? Exactly. Uh, why, why changing? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, basically, is the attitude sometimes. And I mean, I've, I have witnessed... Uh, myself since that day when I kind of rolled my eyes at the idea that people would have a, a problem with it. There is some good evidence that supports why, where, the, where the concern might have been coming from in some cases. Like, for instance, just because you're an amazing actor and you work um, currently in film and television doesn't mean that you can handle an actual video game style um, audio session. And I know, Sean, you know what I'm talking about, the, all the efforts and all like the re just repeating the same line over and over yeah. and over again. It's like some people like the pros that do this for a living, they are, you can have a session, it's done in like 20 minutes. But other people, it can take hours. And it's yep. because they may not be used to that. Like it's just not part of their usual routine. They haven't built those muscles up yet. So, um, you know, so at the end of the day, people just learn to figure out how to find a balanced candidate where they we feel like they could handle a session like that but they're good in front of the camera we're looking for someone because at the end of the day that's key is just the balance between all those things yeah and i would argue that you know in the earlier days of this it was more a question i think of i'll use the term unicorn because i think that's pretty fitting like you did need people with more of an affinity for to, to get around the limitations of the technology right definitely but now with uh, motion capture, performance capture, like facial capture and audio being really on the cutting edge and really being much more sensitive, actors don't have to do as much to work around those limitations. They can, sure. That's why I find the net is widening in when I see castings in terms of who's a good fit now for a game because they don't have to be as specialized. So mm. I could argue that's maybe not a great thing for me because my, you mm. know, what I'm uniquely good at is, is not as required anymore, mm. let's say. Mm. Um, but you got way more experience than any of them, though. That's, but there's that's that. And the, that's, that kind of ties to the point that I wanted to make, which is, you know, theater theater as a, as a form of acting and storytelling has been around for thousands of years, right? And film has been around for at least 100 years. I forget 100, the yeah. first film, <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, mocap's been around for, what, 15 years, maybe something like that, 15, 20. Yeah, 20. The early forms were, go way back, but like the modern style of, of yeah. There are applications to video games, like the first games that started using motion capture instead of keyframe, for example. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's not old at all. So the there's less of a body of knowledge hmm. around that, that people, actors included, can tap into to demystify what's involved, right? If I want to know about theater, well, I trained in theater, so I know all the ins and outs. Film, I've watched hundreds, thousands of movies. I could take a film acting course. I can read a book, watch a video, uh, talk to other actors. 
the mocap is still a much more niche because not as many people you know do it as those other two disciplines so i find whenever i find myself in a coaching or teaching position with people who are new to that medium uh, a lot of the blocks is just people not knowing what they can and can't do and their yeah. habits that were formed either in theater or film can actually be counterproductive in a mocap uh, environment right like i remember i was just coaching someone they had a monologue to do or a scene and you know they wouldn't turn more than two-thirds three-quarters when talking uh and interacting even though the person's behind them the imaginary person's behind them because on on stage you never turn your back to the audience three quarters as much as you can do and on film you don't turn your back to the camera right you actually film you don't move at all if you're in a close-up you got to just you know keep it keep it tight that's the freedom you have in mocap i could you know deliver a monologue lying on my back and we could still use it you know what i mean i mean that probably hide a lot of my markers but my point is you can do things that are unusual you can turn around there is no camera the camera is virtual they, they, they bring in the camera afterwards you know what i mean so you know when people realize oh my god like it kind of unlocks in their minds and they start getting all these creative ideas like oh i could do this i could go here i could try this you could it's actually closer to realism to hmm. to truth you know what i mean like Something that I find so ridiculous is the, the, the soap opera turn, right? When when one person turns to someone, they're both facing the camera. <laughs> the person behind them is talking to them. And I get it for technical reasons why that's a thing. But I'm pretty sure no two people ever in the history of mankind <laughs> have had a conversation that way, right? Mm. Um, but it's a, it's a thing you do out of necessity. So there's just a lot less of that in mocap. And consequently, mm. I think it's a lot more freeing. It's just not all actors are aware of the freedom they have. But now, because, like I said, technology is so sharp now, yeah. um, you can just go be yourself, do a natural performance, and the, the tech will do all the work for you. Yeah, sharp yeah. and also just less, uh, uh, I don't know. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're not as yeah. encumbered while trying to perform. Right. I mean, you still have a helmet that can weigh, you know, not necessarily weigh a lot, but it throws off your center of That's right. Gravity makes you aware of other actors if you're close, not to be smacking heads together. You yeah, know. exactly. And there's like a camera right here. So like you try yeah. to like hug somebody and you're like hugging exactly. like this. You actually have to choreograph that stuff uh, right. to make sure not to bang your cameras together. But that's just technical stuff that you work around. Just like, you know, in theater, you got to hit your light. You know what I mean? So you hit your light. Yep. You learn to make yeah. it part of your natural performance. And the camera, you got to be in frame, hit your mark. Same yeah. thing, you know, it's just part of being a naturalistic actor is incorporating that. Um, yeah. So, you know, you get used to that pretty quickly and then the rest is you know, fairly simple, I would say. Yeah, you, you mentioned that you were uh, uh, at some point dreading the, the days that say, oh, is there an helmet today? Oh, okay, it means uh, uncomfortable. It got way better, but obviously I'm assuming that helmet meant, uh, you know, acting and no helmet meant more like a stunt uh, day. Um, and you're actually doing both uh, uh really well but i was always curious do you consider yourself a stunt actor with good acting skills or an <laughs> actor that is actually physical enough to be able to to do the stunt as well uh i'd say the second one um not to disparage my stunt skills but my stunt ability is more limited like i'm friends with some stunt men um and mm -hmm. these guys are you know they're super impressive they'll do 
you know, hanging off of a car and jumping from vehicle to vehicle. There's <laughs> harness work going through, you know, glass that'll shatter. Yes. Next level roll, stuff. Falling downstairs, getting hit by cars. I would never do any of that stuff because um, <laughs> I like life and like <laughs> being alive. It's super fun to be alive. Um, so uh, my stunt ability comes more from my, well, A, my connection with my body, my physicality. I've always been a fairly physical person and mm-hmm. you know i did tumbling and stuff like that movement in theater school and combined with my martial arts experience um i studied martial arts for many years got my black belt in karate did a few competitions and then i got into uh fight choreography uh right after school which i fell in love with still love like like crazy um so you know anything to do with fighting and then anything related to that so weapon use either you know swords and shields and spears and axes or firearms um i've had the chance through different uh, ubisoft uh, games uh, to work with you know ex swat guy or guy who works for uh, the sq but who used to be a you know an army ranger type of thing and show us how to clear a room and how to you know move as a squad and stuff like that which then adds to my repertoire of, of skills um so I definitely, you know, also if I look at where do I act, where do I work more, it's definitely on the acting side of things. Okay. Um, back in the day, before Actra had too much of a distinction between stunt and acting and stunt days and, you know, the requirements, like we need to have a paramedic on set and we need yes. to have a fight coordinator on, on stunt days, you know, various productions at various places I've worked with. It's not like one studio was a culprit here. Everybody did it and I was willing to do it. It would be like, you know, here's a... Here's all day you're going to play a guard who's, you know, walking and shoving that merchant and arresting that guy and standing looking bored. Uh, Oh, but at the end of the day, can you, you know, get shot in the neck with an arrow and fall off this horse onto this mat um, or, you know, do a quick little fight scene uh, with this guy? And to me, there was no distinction. I'm like, yeah, sure. These are all part of my skill set. So I do it Uh, today. That would be very much separated. Mm. Um, which again, I find a little unfortunate, um, mm. again, for people like me, cause I can be hired to do both, but usually they'll be like, well, it's okay. We can hire an actor who doesn't know what the hell he's doing in terms of fighting because we'll do a stunt day anyway. We'll do a stunt layer mm. and we'll just get that act, that, that actor's action done by someone who's competent at fighting and that we can risk, uh, you know, cause I understand from a production standpoint, you don't want to yeah. force someone who can't do stuff to do stuff. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I'm kind of hoping in the future to book more parts like that based on Mm. my ability to be a good actor, but also to be a very, you know, physical actor. And I'm sure that's a factor. And I mean, I I had a chance to do that really not too long ago at all. I was working on watchdogs, uh, bloodline, uh, the the DLC for Legion because they brought wrench back for a storyline, which was such a great time. And I went to Toronto to fill that at, at the Ubisoft stage in Toronto. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to the stunt coordinator and be like, look, uh, and they had stunt days planned that didn't involve me, but I had to be back in town for another gig. So I don't know if it's because they didn't want me to do them or if because I wasn't available. I think it was a bit of both. But once I spoke to the stunt guy and he, he got to know me a bit and I told him what I could do, and what I couldn't do. He's like, I trust you. You sound like you know what you're talking about. You know your limitations, which is super important as well. Um, let's get you in as much as you're you're comfortable. So there I got to do my stunts mostly uh you know uh getting knocked around a quick little fight scene with aiden Mm. uh fighting the bad guy at the end dive rolling into cover beating a guy up with the sledgehammer and for me this stuff was thrilling and kind of second nature 
because uh, I do I do a lot of dive rolling in my everyday yeah. life um, <laughs> and swinging sledgehammers at people. Um, but what was sorry. anytime you hurt your you uh, hurt yourself badly in any shoots? No, I have never oh, wow. injured myself doing a stunt. I have been injured doing mocap. Uh, and usually it's because we did something no one bothered to consider a stunt. Uh, and that's when injury happens. So when I do something yeah. that I know is dangerous, I have a very different approach and it safeguards me and the actors around me. I, I'm, I'm really can honestly say that I've never, ever been injured doing a stunt. Uh, but at one point, you know, we fudged the rules and we didn't realize what we were doing was dangerous. And, you know, I broke my fingers once and uh, some other points I, uh, you know, hurt myself a little. Never anything major, major. But that's... That's particularly impressive because um, uh, I think my most famous moment um, ever doing during any kind of stunt shoot, we were we were, we were filming like a reference one day, and I was a a bunch of stuff being done at a, a kind of local gym, and um, I was just running around with an iPhone camera, just just trying to like capture things. I was down on the mats, I was moving around. But I, I I was the only one that day that injured myself. I had dislocated my small toe <laughs> because I got up too quickly. And then meanwhile, everybody else in the room were literally doing flips and rolls and like literally tackling one another through walls. And, and they look at me, they're like, Brent, really? Like, really? Like, really? And I'm like, well, that's why you guys get paid the money to do these things. And I uh, should stay, stay really far over here on the mm. sidelines because I'm a liability, basically. But that's when it happens, when you're not thinking along. 100%. It's, it's a, you know, safety is really a question of mentality, approaching something as though it's dangerous versus thinking it's fine, I'm not going to get injured. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I guess the, the, the biggest takeaway from the story is what still advantages me as an actor having stunt experience and being comfortable doing stunts is even if they can't use me, I can still inform the team if they're willing to work with me on how they could use me, but like my choices, how to translate my choices as an actor into a performance from a stuntman. So mm -hmm. there was a bit on a drone where Wrench is fighting uh, this guy Aiden on a drone and the drone's flying through the city and they, they made this great big like floating stage thingy on like a gimbal and it would like move. So the actors on it were actually, and it, I can see why that's dangerous and you wouldn't want me. Get on up there, Sean, hopefully don't break your neck, you know? Um, but what I did is I went through the scene with the stunt coordinator and the guy who was gonna play wrench for me in the stunt scene. And, you know, I just walked them through it. I'm like, okay, well here, if I was getting choked, wrench would be like, hold on like he'd do like a timeout thing that'd be pretty funny he'd, he'd react this way he'd do this he'd say that in this scene you know if he's getting knocked down he'd probably do you know so i informed them with how i would play it if i were doing the stunt and i gotta say they did the day without me being there and when i saw the footage afterwards i'm like oh my god this is perfect like everything i told them they incorporated and i could barely even tell the difference like it wasn't this jarring mm. contrast between some guy who's never seen me, never known me, never seen my work, and mm. you know, me doing the stunt. So it certainly yeah. has its advantages. Um, I still get hired on occasion to choreograph stuff. Mm. Uh, and sometimes when I do stuff that's like lower budget or that has less room for different personnel, I can wear two hats, you know, actor and stunt fighter or fight choreographer or coordinator. Yeah. Um, you know, what so it's, it serves me. But I am primarily, uh, primarily an actor. You kind of queued up a really good topic to, to segue to, which is, of course, something you probably did get to wear multiple hats on. Hats on it would be the uh, more recent um, uh, film, short film that you made. Yes. So uh, thank you for asking about that, Brent. Mm, yeah. um, so uh, 
I had a chance to work on something really great uh, in October. Um, you know, I was actually just coaching someone yesterday for uh, like a, they're starting up their acting career and they wanted some advice. Um, and I was telling them the value of independent film and small budget works. You know, I'm like, careful not to be exploited, of course, but like, you know, it's valuable to you as an actor to get experience on set and to get, you know, connections, to fail at certain things, to learn from that. You know, there's a lot of value there. It might not be monetary, you know, monetary value, but it'll be experience, which to me is worth way more than money. Um, but, you know, and as you progress in your career, uh, you do, you tend to do less and less of those because what's in it for you, the exchange tends to not be as great. You know, someone's like, Hey, uh, can you come for a 12 hour day on set? We'll pay you $150 to play like a security guard, you know, because we know you're a physical guy and you'd be great. I'm like, thank you. I'm really flattered, but you know, like, Oh, you'll get demo material. I'm like, I have demo material and my time's worth more than $150 for 12 hours. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of a, not, I don't want to sound arrogant and say, you know, the more successful you are as an actor, the less you have to work with people who aren't, you know, part of big budget things. I mean, art is art, right? Um, but the point of this rambling story is um, this guy I'd worked with, I, I think a few years ago, he was trying to do like a Batman short film See how you consult. You, I, I kind of worked with him to consult with how to approach the violence and all that stuff. Um, and then he went on to become like a director in his own right. And he wrote this film and he made a bunch of films and he wrote the script for a film called Wraith, um, which is like this really, really cool atmospheric, uh, dark kind of moody, uh, very ethereal short film about this Viking uh, like warrior who goes on this quest. Um, so he wrote to me and he's like, look, I'm shooting this film. I'd love you to play the main, the main character. I think your energies and sensibilities would be perfect for this. So send me the script. I'll let you know what I think. I read the script. I loved it. Uh, so I'm like, absolutely. I will absolutely do this. Um, cause you know, I don't always do what I do for money. Money's nice to have. I like, you know, eating and paying my mortgage, but, uh, I got into this in the first place to act, to create, to connect with different characters, to create art, to, to bring it to other people's lives and, you know, help tell stories. Um, so this really meshed with me. So, you know, it was going to be over a weekend and they, you know, they respected my time. They respected, you know, all, they did the best they could. And I understand that with the means they have. So in those cases, like I'm a 100% on board. I would never be one of those like guys, you know, where's my trailer and <laughs> bring me some avocado toast, please. Um, you know, that being said, like we froze our butts off cause we shot this in October oh, in this man. beautiful forest up in Mirabelle and Arundel. So long days, uh, you know, and I've got patchwork Viking armor on, so I'm not at all warm. So I got like a jacket over me and just kind of, you know, but all that gets pushed to the side when you're doing something you love. Um, we shot some amazing, amazing footage. I got to work with some really talented actors. Uh, Sam, the director, and his whole crew were fantastic. Um, and uh, I saw actually a little bit of footage from it and some stills a couple weeks ago, and it looks fantastic. When is it due to come out? Uh, so they're aiming to release it in the fall Okay. on the festival circuit. So um, as soon as it's accessible to anyone, 
I will absolutely talk about it on my socials, mm. make sure people know. Uh, I don't want to jump the gun, but it, it so far, it's looking like it might be one of the better things I've done yeah. uh, from an indie standpoint. That's exciting. Career. So Very that's cool. really, really nice. So that little uh, picture of me on the thumbnail for this discussion, me looking a little worse for wear with blood in my face, and looking <laughs> kind of serious. That, that tells you everything you need to know about the film. And, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> in some, and in some cases, everything you need to know about Sean, because that's like a sort of yeah, normal day. I was just day playing myself, and, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so is there an element, Sean, that of, I mean, in terms of preference between the, uh, all the mocap work that we're doing in the performance uh, capture work for video game and this type of work that is a little bit more indie that you don't have all of the gear of the mocap and, and all that do you have a, a preference or for you it's more a matter of doing a lot of different things to not be bored with the, doing the same thing over and over <laughs> another great question uh i <laughs> i wish i had the kind of career where i could make choices because i was <laughs> bored <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be there, um, but no, I, I mean, I, I think my personal approach to acting, uh, to performance as an actor is, is versatility, right? I mean, you, you said so yourself in your intro and I mean, that is my brand is I'm, you know, I'm fairly competent at a number of different disciplines, you know, whether it's fighting, acting for stage or film or television, whether it's video games, mocap, performance capture, dubbing. Uh, original voice for animation, you know, voice work, uh, teaching, coaching, all that stuff. Like I've, I've diversified my, my skills as an mm -hmm. actor over time. And, you know, so I find that's as good an insurance I can have against the absolute volatility of the industry and what I do. I mean, there was a time, all I did was work at, at Ubisoft and I absolutely loved it. Um, and if that was my job, you know, most of the time I'd, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all, but you know, projects end and I don't blame companies for not just continuously working with me in the same capacity for every project. I mean, as a consumer, I wouldn't want that, you know, like, Oh, this guy again, God damn it. You know, <laughs> um, Sean fatigued, but, but that's it. That's it. <laughs> hey, there it is. But you know, at the same time, I think I can diversify myself enough that I always have some appeal in some way to certain you know, uh, types of media. So, you know, let's say Ubisoft said, well, we're leaving Montreal. We're going to go to wherever to Vancouver and, and we're shutting that down. Like I wouldn't want to be like, Oh, I can't be an actor anymore. Cause that's 99% mm. of my work. You know what I mean? And every time something yeah. like calms down a bit, it kind of opens me up to try other things. Like I recently, uh, started voice directing, which is something I've always oh, wanted cool. to do. Mm. Always thought I'd be good at but never had the opportunity because how do you get that opportunity where someone's going to give you that much responsibility? Mm. But I got hired to teach a class at a studio. They really liked me as a teacher and, and they liked me as a performer because I've been working there for years in various projects. So I think they're like, this guy's probably be a pretty good teacher. They asked me, do you teach? Said, not, not, not voice, but I've taught stage combat and fight choreography and I've taught movement and, and you know, a whole bunch of stuff over the years. So it's just, a different subject. I know how to teach, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they gave me a shot. It worked great. I taught a few classes and then I I'm on, you know, I've done two projects now that I've been a director for, um, and did great. Do you like honest. it? I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, yeah. my, 
you know, my understanding of the art of voice acting uh, has grown in parallel to my ability, right? Because I've been doing it for 20 years now. So, and I used to have this like almost this mental block, which I had back in the day when I started teaching stunt fighting, which was this little voice in my head was saying, you, you can't teach, you're not qualified to teach. <laughs> no one taught you to teach, you didn't hmm. study teaching. Who are you to say you can do that? Yeah. But then I'm like, Okay, but he's teaching and he's terrible. And like, <laughs> I can do better than that guy. Come on, right? So, so that's how you dealt with your own imposter syndrome. Pretty much, I guess that's a really good way. Yeah, to I, I might not be great, but I'm probably I'm better, better than, than him. Than this and other he's guy. teaching exactly. So, <laughs> when it came to to voice acting and, and directing that, like it was the same thing, except that voice is gone now. Like I'm like, yeah, no, I know myself. I know what I can handle. And then I'll have a session. And by the end, I'm like, yeah, I clearly know what I'm talking about. And the yeah. client's happy. The director's and the, sorry, the, the person who hired me is happy. Everybody's happy and giving me praise after and saying you did a great job. Yeah. That's wait a minute. Wait a second. I, I, have a, I have a really important question. Did I hear you just say that you killed that voice in your head that says that, that, that causes you to doubt yourself? Because I mean, I said if you... it's no longer there. I oh, okay. What I did <laughs> just, it. It's just hiding it's in the sleeping. shadows. It's, yeah. it's waiting for the Because I was going to say, I want to know how you did that, but... Um... <laughs> You know, let's just say my voice had a little tumble down the stairs and no one's asking any questions, right, guys? Yeah, because Brent is still asking himself if, if his voice qualifies to be a good podcaster. So that's, yeah, uh, that's that, it. That's probably the little. I voice. can tell you with certainty it does, Brent. I think you oh, have very nice. a melodious yeah. and mellifluous voice, sir. And that's I, really I, for one, am a fan. I also don't use the word mellifluous often. So, so you that reserve out. that for a special occasion. Just for you, this. my friend. I think yeah. it's officially the first time that this word was used. In our podcast. <laughs> yes. well, th thank you for this. First podcast stunt. first. I'll, I'll have to Google it after the end of this, of this podcast. But I mean, directing and coaching and teaching seems to be a natural progression for most uh, artists and entertainer in, uh, in in general. And yeah. it kind of make me think is, is so obviously you're still young and filled with energy but does aging kind of influence a little bit some of your stunt work or your preparation for it or the aftermath of big stunt section it, how does this play in the equation of how you prepare for stunt and how it might impact your career moving forward really hitting me with the killer questions today. yeah it's <laughs> great guys done his He's research not gonna be happy till you cry so just prepare yourself <laughs> Sean, what's it like to be really old? Yeah. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Um, that's a tremendous question. And it's your, your timing is perfect because I literally had a day of mocap on Friday. Uh, <laughs> I can't talk about the project, but it was fairly high impact. Oh, like, I find I, I have one of two types of sessions of mocap. It's either the, you're a guard who's doing an idol, you're, you're a merchant, you're you know, you're just so hanging the, out. So the boring shoot. You know, well, no, I love those just as much, actually. Okay. But like, I've literally had scenes where I'm sleeping, so I'm like, that's about as low impact as you can get. You know what I mean? Broke my leg sleeping. Um, but the other type of day is like, okay, you're running as fast as you can, and you're crouching, and you're doing dynamic yeah. starts and stops, and then you're you're doing a ninja routine. And here's, you know, that's actually another way that my stunt training helps me is. I can still use them on days that aren't stunts if it's like, okay, it's an emote and the guy has a katana. Can you do something cool? I'm like, sure, I can. I'll pull the katana out and flip it around and do a thing. And, you know, we got that and that's lovely. You know, I love people hiring me for that stuff, especially. Um, but so I had a day that was like super high impact. 
running and just crouching and just really jumping around all day long. And I got through it. No problem. Uh, mm. I was tired at the end, but then the next day I wake up and I'm like, oh boy, yeah. like, <laughs> my, 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 my back is sore and my shoulders really. So I'm like, why is my shoulder so sore? I'm like, Oh, cause I was swinging that ax a hundred times. That's why. So my recovery is maybe a little slower now than mm. it was. Um, but I, some, something I pride myself on. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut No, you. no, it's my fault. Go ahead. You keep going. But something I pride myself on is the older I get, the more I tend to focus on my health, uh, which mm. means, uh, you know, staying fit, staying flexible, self-care too, um, to handle the rigors of what I love doing best in my mm. career. And I've, you know, I have scoliosis. I've had it my whole life. Mm. Um uh, one of my legs is a little like offset from the other oh, height wise. Really? Um, so I have to wear like orthotics in my shoes. Uh, I herniated a disc in my back uh, a few months before we shot watchdogs too, which was oh, one boy. of the worst injuries I've ever had in my life. Uh, so I had to heal and work through that and, and, you know, work with her, which is fine. I, we got through it. Um, you know, I, I deal, I've dealt with a host of like setbacks physically, um, but by staying fit, you know, watching what I eat, making sure I work out on a regular basis and all that stuff, taking care of myself, I've managed to stave off the worst of it. Uh, and when I do get injured, uh, I learn from that injury. Like when I herniated my disc in my back, I learned all sorts of things about my, my spinal column and my pelvic floor and exercises to strengthen that stuff. And it changed my attitude towards health and fitness. Um, but honestly, I have to say like now, I'm almost in better shape than I was 10 years ago well, because I'm aware, aware of my weaknesses yeah. and I've built up strengths around them. Makes sense. Um, and I never want to be in a position where I can't physically do something mm. I want to do. Right. Um, that's also why I stay away from things like, you know, harness work or getting hit by cars or falling downstairs. Cause pragmatically speaking, I don't know if I'd be able to handle that as easily. Uh, you know, if I think about when I was 22 and doing a play where I'm fighting ninjas and guy socks me in the face and I do like a backward flip and land on my back and then do a kip up and then keep fighting. And I could do that not because I was well trained, but I could do that because I was 22. <laughs> my body was yeah, like, whatever, exactly. it's fine. You'll be fine in 10 minutes. Yeah. Now I got to think a bit more and go, I'm not going to recover from that. Or mm, I could get yeah. hurt doing this. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to labor under some kind of delusion of like, I'm going to be able to do this forever. I realize the window on that is probably shrinking a little. Mm. Uh, but also with the advance of, you know, information, medical science, nutrition. <laughs> medical science. It, well, it's true. We I mean, can rebuild him. Well, maybe we'll have nanobots when I'm 70 and then I can do stunts again. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but I'm saying, but by progressing with the times and being smart about it, um, I'm more someone who goes, oh, uh, you know, okay, I can't eat uh, three cookies anymore because it'll give me heartburn and it makes me feel weird and it's not good for me. And it's, so I'll just cut down on that as opposed to other people I know who are my age and who are like, yeah, screw it. I'll feel like crap or I'll gain mm -hmm. weight or I'll whatever and I'll just won't treat myself well. So if you can listen to your body as you get older and hear what it's saying to you and make adjustments in function of that. Um, there's a reason why I'm still so energetic and, and, 
you know, I have this energy, even though I'm pretty much right on the cusp of middle age now, uh, it's because I've allowed myself to kind of always be in that state throughout my life. I'm going to have a naturally high metabolism and a pretty energetic guy to begin with. Um, but that's one of my fears is I don't want to become like that. I got to give up a part of my life and just yeah. become sedentary or, you know, become unhappy or stagnant or something because of, you know, injury or because I wasn't careful. So that's what I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm staving off entropy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's staving off one, one stunt job at a time. <laughs> exactly. I, I have, I have a, um, I have, I have a story that, that uh, I relate to with regards to that sort of the, the very high impact shoot that you did and then you feel sore the next day. But this story will probably make you feel a little bit better. Um, the other day, I bent down to pick up a toy of my daughter's and then the next day I couldn't walk. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying basically, um, <laughs> I I've think been you're there. doing pretty good. I think uh, but I've good. been there. Like I literally, <laughs> I don't have a daughter, uh, mm. but I walked out in the yard a couple of years ago to pick up my dog's ball to throw it for my back. I'll take sometimes. Nope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, instead you're going to lay on the grass for a button. And an then hour. I had a, a, a cane for two weeks. Oh, wow. My body was all like crooked and I got all this inflammation yeah. in my lower back. And I oh, mean, my God. that's the kind of thing I try to prevent, you know, is, yeah. is injuring myself. Like one of my big fears is I'm going to get booked to do something pretty physical mm. and then tweak my day, my back a day before. Yeah. And then be like, guys, I literally cannot yeah. fake not being injured but yeah. that's why when i work out i focus on my core on my lower mm. back on my flexibility on mm. leg adduction and abduction like these mm. are all terms i've learned of, of muscle movements and groups which is boring for the average like power lifter you know let's get jacked kind of guys but that's not the point of working out for me it's i need to preserve yeah yeah my yeah. body as much as possible so i can be available to do the things i want to do you know yeah, and you kind of take it for granted when you're in good physical shape, and especially yeah. when you're, you're you're younger. It's just like when you don't feel your body, you don't don't think about it, and then no. you 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 get hurt. And obviously, it you know, especially for someone that is doing physical work like, like you are doing, it's super important. But I think that for any professional artist, maybe more in the you mentioned having the right energy and all that. But there's so much about motivation and inspiration and this energy that that relies on what you're eating, how much are you sleeping, are you yeah. exercising, are you in good mental uh, uh, health, are you, or are you stressed at, uh, at all times? So yep. I think we're, as you said, we're getting close to this middle, middle age uh, part, and that's the moment that you're like, oh, I don't have the energy that I had before. Why is that? And then you start to be more and uh you know careful with, with yourself and, and as you mentioned you might be in better physical shape now that you were 10 years ago because you started to pay attention to it exactly uh but i think that that's the same thing e even for those that would not be just purely physically but in terms of energy it's something that you can regain let's say in your 30s you realize that oh i don't have this energy i had in my 20s well you know be careful work on it do all of those things and yes by 40 you can definitely find again the energy that you had in at 20 years old well that's it and i don't want people to think you know there seems to be i've come across this a lot people i know which is this mentality of like well i'm getting older what do you want to do i'm like well you can make different choices you can choose to value your health over other things uh you know really only thing stopping you is habit right like well i don't go to the gym well start or find something you enjoy that doesn't have to be the gym it could be walking cycling jogging swimming squash whatever um you know like you talk about energy 
it's how much energy you have is really a function of the you know, all the choices you make in your life. If you're working two jobs and you know you, you don't have any time for yourself, you're going to be tired. If you never have time for self care, you're going to be tired. I was doing a, a guest speaker spot of, uh, last week for this uh, acting school, and someone asked me a really interesting question. She said, "Like, can you take me through like what your day is like, what an average day is for someone like you?" And I was like, "Oh, that's." You know, so I went through like an average, like they, dif they, they differed based on if I'm working that day or not. But on a day I'm not working, I'm like, oh, I get up and then I go, I work out. And then I usually fast for the morning and I'll spend some time watching a bit of YouTube in the morning. I'll have my coffee and then I'll have make breakfast and then I'll work from like, you know, one to five, so I have like four to five hours a day on like emails or scripts or whatever. And then I'll, you know, cook dinner with my wife and I'll blah, blah, blah. And as I'm saying that, I'm like, oh, I hope people don't think I sound like some kind of like, oh, you know, I barely work and I just play video games all day <laughs> and life is easy. Like, because that's not all, I, I, it at all, right? But at the same time, mm -hmm. I've also made all these choices in my life that support me being able to have that kind of time. Yeah. And to me, it's essential because if my life was just nine to five every day, mm -hmm. work, with no change in the future to that, I I, I would panic and I, I wouldn't know what mm. to do because I would find yeah. that mortifying. Like people go, how do you do it as an actor? Like you never know when you're going to work again. Like how do you how do you cope with that? And I'm like, well, to me, that's part of the thrill is I never know what's coming in my life. Mm. I mean, sure, it could be bad things, but try to be a positive person, you know, it, Last uh, two years ago, I wouldn't have ever thought that I'd get an email one day going, hey, we're going to uh, do another thing with Wrench in this new Watch Dogs thing, uh, DLC. Do you want to come and reprise the role and come to Toronto and we'll put you up for two weeks and we'll shoot? And it's a dream come true for an actor. You know what I mean? Right. Like that yeah. just came out of the ether. I wasn't like yeah. trying to knock on their door and say, make another Wrench game. I need, I need to pull my <laughs> you know? um, But that came along and it was perfect timing and it was such a beautiful, it was a gift to me as far as mm. I'm concerned. It was like someone was handing me this gift that I, you know, that I cherished and I did the best I could with and it turned out great, you know? So that's what keeps me going is like, I could get a call five minutes from, well, not five minutes from now, so I'll be talking to you guys, but you know, you know, I could get a call or an email by the end of the day, which is, oh, you have this audition coming up and it could change my life, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. So that kind of keeps me on my toes too. But if I didn't yeah. take time out of my day to enjoy myself, right? Spend time with my wife or play a video game or walk my dog or do a project. I don't think I'd be as prolific as an actor mm. because I just wouldn't be happy. And I bring yeah. my joy and my yeah, passion yeah. to my work. You know what yeah. I mean? So to me, that's part of my self-care as I get older is to section off leisure time for myself so that I yeah. can refocus and, and prioritize the things I want to get done. And then, you know, boom. You know, hearing you say that, it makes me, it makes it seem like what you're saying in a way is that you and your own happiness and your own you know, sort of health is sort of, you kind of create your own muse in a way. Like, it's like you, like, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's like a balance that you're trying to sort of suggest here about like, you know, people say that artists need a muse and it's like, well, why can't your muse just be taking care of yourself? You know what I mean? Like, and being happy. And then, so when you bring, go to the job to be creative, you are truly able to, yeah. you know. That's a really good way of putting it, Brent. And like, you know, I think it's something I have trouble expressing depending who I'm talking to because it can sound arrogant or full of myself. But like, I really, really, really do love and value myself, right? I think I am 
talented and funny and that I have a lot of value in a lot of different ways, not at all or ever to the point where I think I'm better than anyone, but not enough people embrace their value, right? Like Mm -hmm. so many people think like that little voice, you know, you're not allowed to think that you can't be that person. I haven't felt this way my whole life. I, you know, 20 years ago, less than that, I was like, oh, I don't deserve this and I'm never going to make it. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's just, you know, I, I almost find it now, it'd almost be silly of me or, or, or disingenuous to look back on everything I've achieved and go, no, I don't, I don't deserve, I'm not like, doing yeah. yeah. French, you did this, people like you, it's fine. You can own it a bit, you yeah. know, that's, that's fine. And so there's some- owning that is important to me and I think more people should do it. Yeah, there's something you mentioned that was super interesting that as you were describing your day to this audience, you became self-aware to the point that, oh, my God, I, I almost feel bad because I describe a joyful day <laughs> instead <laughs> yes, of. Exactly. And it, it's almost like we have culturally this this mindset that, oh, I need to look like I'm working super hard and, you know, I don't have to miserable. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Maybe not to the point of being miserable, but I, I need to project that I'm working really and I think that this is slowly starting with with a lot of, you know, mental issues with anxiety and burnout and, and depression that might in an extreme lead, lead to, to, to there that we are culturally, at least in, um, in, in our industry, I, I've noticed that we start to have those conversations and it's, and it's like, and one of the things that and, you know, we're talking about the f- four days work week and we're talking about six weeks of paid vacation and we're starting on more and more people that expect, you know what, I'm going to provide you my full time and that's 32 hours a week. And this is mm-hmm. what I'm comfortable with. And unfortunately, if there's uh, overtime, most of the time, I- I'm sorry, but I'll have to decline. Uh, I- I'm not in a position yeah. that I'll be able to. And why do you all that is to to find your own sweet spot when you're going to be, you know, mentally comfortable for, for the long run and stay motivated and inspired. And those hours that you're going to provide are going to be good hours instead of just being a, a zombie in front of whatever you are, uh, yeah. you are doing. So I think there's a stigma that, that we're, and even now that that's why I, I laughed a little bit because what you mentioned is almost like, Oh my God, I'm describing a day that is joyful for me. I feel bad about it. <laughs> what is that? Exactly. And, you know, I don't want people to get the wrong impression either. Like when I work, I work, you know what I mean? So when I had a day of mocap on Friday, it's not just I show up, I fart around for eight hours and I leave. It's well, I get the script in advance. I study it. I I go over it. I write down any questions I have. I get reference videos for moves they want me to learn for emotes or whatever. So I watch the videos. I learn them. I practice them in my own spare time at home. It's part of my work day. I get, I make sure I get there on time. So I make sure I get up early enough that I know the trajectory to get into town. Cause I moved, I live up North now. So it's longer. I want to make sure I'm on time. Cause I'm a professional when I'm there, I'm present. I'm committed. I ask questions if I need to, like they're getting me at 150%. So when I'm home and I'm like kicking back and, you know, playing something on my PlayStation, I don't feel guilty. Like, well, I didn't give him my all. I don't deserve this. Like I'll be home. I'll be tired. But I'm, I'm, I feel satisfied that I gave my absolute best. They're happy. I'm happy. And then I get my reward. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you can have a reward system too. You know, just this grinding nonstop thinking, oh, I'm, I'll stop grinding when I'm 65. And then I'm going to really start enjoying life when I've got, you know, <laughs> shot back or cancer or something, you know, an illness or whatever. Like, 
I, I don't want to wind up like that. I'd rather take my retirement in increments now mm-hmm. <laughs> if I can yeah. I like and just idea. plan to keep working till I'm 80, you know what I mean? Which yeah. is something else I have the option as an actor is to keep working even though I'm past, you know, once I get past retirement age. So, Sean, we are getting towards the, the end of the stream, so we're going to go sure. some Q&A from, from the chat. But before they do, they, they, there was one that I wanted to to ask. So let's let's start this Q&A session sure. with my uh, own question. Uh, favorite role or work that you that you had in your career or let's say the first one that, that comes to mind but most importantly why was it your favorite role well i don't want to insult you guys because i worked with you both if i don't say <laughs> you we don't count you can't I don't say tomb raider <laughs> um uh maybe it's a bit of a predictable answer but i think i'd have to say wrench in watchdogs 2 and i had a feeling just because mm-hmm. I've never in my life as an actor had an opportunity to invest myself to that level in a character. Um, all my sensibilities, my loves, my comedic timing, my energy, my, my love of pop culture, my, my nerd badge, every aspect of me gets magnified through Wrench. And I really get to just be myself. But that, one of my friends once put it this way, which I think it's a very accurate description of Wrench, which is Wrench is me without any filters right so <laughs> and it, he's kind That's of right awesome. you know what i mean like i have a few some different sensibilities from wrench but overall his sense of humor and what he likes and dislikes and how he interacts with people is just a magnification of, of who i am without consequence if you will because he's fictional i can't be that way in real life nor what i want to be so the freedom he brought me to play and express was super rewarding and then the reaction people had to him was even more rewarding because, you know, they love Wrench and, and by, by extension, they also love me and what I brought to it. And Wrench has brought me into contact with so many cool people, interesting people on Twitter, artists and streamers and gamers and fans. And it's expanded my world um, in a way that I never thought uh, I'd experienced as an actor. Um, and I, I love it. I love having this community that, that supports me and that I can talk to. And, you know, I, I get credit for other things I do, like Lion or the Outlast series, for example, uh, or even some Assassin's Creed stuff. Um, but Wrench was, I'd have to say, probably the standout uh, performance of my career. And, you know, it was strong enough. There, Ubisoft's like, let's spend several thousands i don't know how much it costs to make a video game but a ton of money to <laughs> make a dlc money. and we'll center it around your character for half of it and we're, we're going to take this gamble on you except it's not really a gamble because you've proven the character is popular so let's mm. cash in on that so i mean if i look at actors or other people i look up to have iconic characters they've played in their career like i could really point to wrench and a few others that i've done as being that and i think that's a pretty big achievement as an actor and something i'm probably most proud of uh, so yeah, I'd say wrench would, would take the cake on that one. Just an FYI for people in chat. I did drop a really cool uh, YouTube link, uh, of a nice little, um, spotlight that they did. I was, I think games radar was the, the website that, uh, put this together or the, the, at least the, the YouTube channel. It was a kind of a, it was meet the man behind wrench basically. Uh, yes. yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a pretty cool video. It's a nice short one. It's like five minutes, but there's a lot of other great videos breaking that down. If you're so, uh, so inclined to look up uh, wrench from um, from Watchdogs making of lots of. Good but stuff. in that video, you get to see just how much of a nerd I am. That's it. So, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I recommend <laughs> I it to people who want to get to know me. When you when you said it's you, it wrenches you without a filter. I'm like, people need to see this video, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. <laughs>
Well, I should probably what, go dig into the questions here, probably. Sure. We got lots. They're kind of coming in. Um, I'll keep my answers short so we can get to a lot of them. Okay, well, yeah, there's a, well, there's a good number. There's like eight in there already, I think. So what's your... Okay, let me bring it up, actually, so everyone can see it. Um, what's your favorite protagonist on the Outlast saga? That's a tough one. Um, from a, I'll split my answer. From a story perspective, I think Miles, the first one, also because it was new to the genre so i think he had a more of a bigger impact but blake was probably more interesting for me to play because i miles i just did voice but blake i did voice and the mocap for him and separately i also got to come in and play most of the residents of Templegate. uh so all the weird messed up monstery weird people it's me doing the mocap which was a huge um really cool challenge for me um and I got to shoot an orgy scene alone uh, in that game, which is one of my favorite stories. So Sorry, you, I'd have to say Blake. Did you just use orgy and alone in the same sentence? I'm that just is wondering. correct, sir. Okay. All right. They, they had an orgy happening. I'll give yeah. We have orgy. the technology. <laughs> this is what you had me for, guys. Uh, no, there's a scene where my character comes across an orgy and uh, they're like, Sean, can you... <laughs> I'm like, you got it, roll camera. <laughs> and uh, I'm like giving it yeah. to myself. And then, you know, you, top and bottom, like I had to, you know. When I said versatile, when I um, said versatile, I was not kidding. And, uh, yeah, well, this is one of my, co- <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would like do all the different parts. And I remember, yeah. I remember this clearly. They're, they're like, Okay, Sean, I think we got I'm like, wait, 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 no, 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 hold on, wait, 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 this guy could be doing this, and then this could be a girl, she's doing oh, this, yeah, yeah. oh, how about they're doing this to each other, and I'm like, the police. put up on this, <laughs> no shame, Amazing. like, we definitely got enough material there, and I heard the scene turned out well, so Blake brings that with it too, so, um, yeah, there you go, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay, so what else we got here? That was one of the, for my very first um, TMI moments on this on the stream. It was good. <laughs> a lot of first today with me, guys. Like, we're never having him on again. He used okay. my Lith Lewis. God, yeah. what's wrong with him? <laughs> Who uses that word? Okay, so um, first question. I guess I guess this probably maybe they posted it first at everybody else. They they, they beat everyone to the punch. Um, Sean, are you drinking coffee or tea mid-interview? Serious question, coffee. by the way. It is Not coffee. There. It is coffee. Hi, Rina Ryu. I know, I know this follower. How's it going? Yeah, you got a bunch <laughs> of fans in here, actually. They've been very, um, very, very talkative. It's when awesome to have you all here, by the way. Uh, this yeah. is exactly what I'm talking about. It is coffee. It is, uh, yes, coffee. Coffee's a black? Uh, no. Cream. There's Two sugars. Uh, a bit of milk and then some stevia. Okay. So talk about healthy choices. I use stevia instead of sugar. Good. Good, yeah. good move. Okay, next up. Oh wait, we've already answered that question, so I'm going to skip that. Was a uh, what? What was your favorite question ever? Ever uh, voice slash mocapped? I think you just said that was wrench. Um, how about uh, this one right here? This is one from our very own Scott. Sean, how would you direct an actor that is struggling with performance or uh, performing performing mocap for the first time and don't have the stimulation of a, a physical set or a costume? That is a terrific question. Um, when I talk about the limitations of mocap that people don't know that people kind of impose on themselves. There's also uh, benefits you get from the adjacent arts of film and theater. One of them, the most important one is in theater, you have to do something called creating the space, right? So when you're on stage, if I'm on stage and I'm on a beach, 
I know I'm not on a beach because there's a hundred people in front of me in an auditorium and the back wall is just a, you know, a riser, a, a flat made out of, you know, plywood. So I have to smell the salt air, feel the sun on my face, hear the gulls, see them passing above me, feel the sand in my toes, you know, how will the heat affect how I move and how will I walk? And I got to create that space. And if I do it in a, in a realistic way, I'm going to transport the audience uh, who's there to that reality with me. In film, if I have to do that scene on a beach, I'm going to be on a beach, right? So all those factors, I don't have to think about them. They're there automatically. So you have to do that a lot in mocaps. You have to create the space because you'll have an even more minimal set than theater or film on mocaps. Just the volume, with just a couple objects here and there that represent, you know, see that box? That's a throne. And later that box <laughs> is like a merchant stall. And that box is a bench, right? So you have to create your environment and really build the scenario around you. Like David, when we worked on Tomb Raider stuff, we often had like uh, previs stuff, right? So it'd be like low grade animation, but that would show like, here's the cave and these are the stairs and uh, the, the, the chief will come down the stairs and this is the pit and there's stalactites here and there's some cargo here. So then you kind of build that in your mind and you can interact with that stuff when you're, when you're doing it. So um, I would say, feel free to use and create your environment, ask questions if you don't know what the specifics are. Um, but a good example of, of being creative and, and, and with, a, with space that's ill-defined, not ill-defined, but that has some, some uh, room for interpretation is we were actually doing this during a Tomb Raider shoot. Um, at one point, Lara comes up to a wall and she kind of puts her pick in the wall and kind of loosens some bricks and a whole bunch of stuff falls down, a whole bunch of bricks revealing like a, a plaque or a statue behind the wall. And I remember like as we're shooting the scene, Amber, who was your guest a few weeks ago, Amber, I turned to her and I was like, oh, well, we should stand back when we pull the last brick out because it's all going to collapse and we don't want to get hit with the bricks. And then we do so and we're like, <laughs> and we're coughing and waving our hand through the air because there would be dust that would be, you know. So that's what I mean by creating the space is we, you interact with things maybe that's not in the script or that's not thought of, but if you're there, you'll react to that imaginary space in a realistic way. And I remember hearing later that the animators were really happy with that work. Like, oh, now we can do particle effects yeah. and have dust. And we, you know, they gave more life to the environment for us to interact totally. with. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they didn't yeah. have much of a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine what would happen if they shipped it. You guys were just like yeah. stepping away from nothing and just like oh. coughing at pure air. Thanks, Sean. We have to add a week yeah, of VFX now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sean Beichu, otherwise known as F Sean Feature Creep Beichu. Sean, basically. I'm doing overtime tonight. Beichu, yeah. thanks a lot. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. Oh, man, it's amazing. Um, hmm. Let's see here. Um, how about, oh, here's another, here's a very specific one. Who's your number one most favorite video game character? Oh, what the heck? That's, I did clicked on the wrong one. I'm no, sorry. No, no, it, it's, it's fine. Continue. Oh yeah, it is. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. Just, it's oh, not, wow. not someone you acted. That's a tough one. God, that's really hard. Um, I just, yeah, hmm, <laughs> really dumb. I'm trying to think of my favorite games ever and who were the protagonists. Uh, I'd have to probably split down a draw between Master Chief, because I'm a huge Halo fan from back in the day, and Geralt. 
because I'm also a massive Witcher uh, 3 fan, and I think uh, the actor who voiced Geralt did a terrific job, and Geralt's totally. a really interesting character. So uh, there's probably lots of other video game characters that have inspired me that are going like, oh, how dare you? Um, but uh, yeah, those will be my choices for now, I guess. Geralt Ooh. and Master Chief. Follow-up question. How did you feel about Witcher the series? Uh, I wasn't a fan. Mm, um, interesting. I... I I don't want to. I don't want to get into a whole thing, but I like Henry Cavill's casting. I think he's mm. terrific. And actually, when I heard he was playing Geralt, I was like, "What? It's getting a little warm in here." <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I mean, he's, he's he's kind of perfect for Geralt. But I didn't like just the aesthetic of it. I I, I thought things were too. How can I say it was too clean? Like, oh, interesting. I'm very. I'm very, very picky when it comes to fantasy. Very mm. picky. Almost a snob. Uh, C, nerd badge. Uh, so, like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, uh, those are the kind of fantasy aesthetics I really uh, like. It's like lived-in worlds. You know right. what I mean? I found the, the Witcher seemed a bit too studio-produced. Mm. And I didn't like some of the casting. I don't mean along racial lines. I mean... Sometimes when I watch a show and I see who, which actors they've gone for, for which parts, gives me an right. idea about what to expect, and it usually impacts my enjoyment. And I just wasn't crazy about much of it. Um, I, I really liked the action in one of the first scenes. He fights a bunch of guys, right? Um, but even then, like, see that the fight choreographer means like, well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, why isn't that guy attacking? And he, he could have killed that guy right there. Why didn't he? <laughs> And that guy's in a recessed alcove. He can't cut his head off. So that didn't make sense. Like, that's <laughs> my brain. Just, right? But that's, that's the thing the that happens right there. Right. Right. And I, I can't look at that fight and go, it's perfect. I go, yeah. I would have yeah, yeah. done this. I would have changed that. Uh, the, the media, whatever media I consume, I know I enjoyed it from to see people going, oh, wow, I'm surprised. And I didn't expect yeah. that. And I, I could never do that. You know what yeah. I mean? It's if the stunt performer in you or the actor in you ends up actually That's starting it. to like critique it in real time, you know that they've lost you basically. That's right? it. And I wear a lot of hats, right? So yeah. And, and yeah. as I get yep. older, my proficiency with different areas hmm. increases. So like another drawback is, you know, I'm, I won't mention the name of it here, not to diss anyone's work, but there's a game I'm playing right now which is the first person game it's, it's kind of immersive and it's a super fun game i love the mechanics but the voice acting is atrocious oh no right? it's terrible <laughs> so whenever i play it and someone opens their mouth i'm out i'm like I'm uh, completely yeah. out and then the voice director in me is like who was directing these people <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's no continuity <laughs> of performance this actor yeah. clearly doesn't know what he's saying yeah. there's no context yeah. to what he's saying that guy's just doing a funny voice and they think mm -hmm. that's good mm -hmm. enough like a lot of factors come in and influence my enjoyment of stuff totally because mm -hmm. i judge it on a lot it, of different levels you know? you know that that totally connects back with what you said about how you deal with your imposter syndrome <laughs> it's like it's like you've watching what you're playing a game like that and you realize that there's some maybe not so great maybe jobs being done by you know voice actors and you feel like yeah. you could do a better job yeah suddenly you can prop yourself up quite quickly when you see stuff like this yeah um <laughs> Let's see who else we got. Uh, we got, um, how about this one? This is the one I thought I clicked on before. Um, so favorite operator of the rainbow, the rainbow franchise, aside from Lion, of course. Uh, headed me off at the pass there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> totally I used to play a fair amount of rainbow six. I haven't played in a little while, but when I would play, I would often, I love snipers in general. And in most mm. type games, I love sniping. Usually when I play any kind of co-op shooter game with my buddies, I'm usually the sniper. 
Um, so I really like Cali mm. and also uh, Glass. That's his name. Those are two of my favorite picks. And then when I do defense, I usually take Doc, actually, because I just uh, like how he functions. And I also like, um, I forget his name, giant guy who rams into people. He's, he like he shoulder checks people and he's a big brutish guy, but I forget his name. I haven't played it a while. We're in a talking while. about Siege, I would assume, right yes. now, right? Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I played it a lot when it first came out, and I forget all the names of the characters, unfortunately. Yeah. So. I tend to gravitate to like the more snipery, snipery dudes. Sneaky. <laughs> yeah. okay how about oh man there's so many questions that are specific about your it's just fun like you can see that people are really following what you're involved in um okay how about this one here and you might not be able to answer this one because it's Oryx, kind of... sorry thank you rania oh. mitch yes Oryx that's is right. the name of the character i was thinking of thank you oh nice um will you be voicing any of the protagonists in the outlast trials please say yes you did a great job with miles Waylon, and blake from previous games it's not that easy to give a character personality without saying a word first outlast uh gosh um i wish i could say yes technically though i cannot comment on this because trials mm. isn't out yet mm. um i may or may not have worked on that game I can say that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but I can say I did not uh, play uh, the, the, the main character. Um, as honored as I would be if they asked me back, I would also be a bit suspicious. I'd be like, guys, you cast me as the lead in two different games. <laughs> I'm flattered, but how good do you think I am to play a yeah, completely yeah. different character in the third one? Yes, that's right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I think part of an artist also is, is, is recognizing when you're suited to something when you're mm. not, you know what I mean? Totally. Um, but you can be wrong too. Like I used to think after Watch Dogs 2, I'm like, Wrench is awesome as a secondary character, but I don't think he could be a lead in something mm. else. Like he could carry something. So then I did Legion and he kind of co-carried the lead mm. with Aiden. And I'm like, oh, I stand corrected. Uh, they wrote mm. a good story around him. Mm. People loved what he did. So yeah, no, I'd, I'd be down for that. But the, yeah, sadly I can't speak on Outlast Trials, but uh, maybe don't get your hopes up. <clears throat> oh. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Okay, so let's see what else we got here. We got, um, oh man, so many questions are like fandom questions. I like it. Um, how do you feel about the Bloodline DLC after playing it? I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I was going to start with the Bloodline DLC when I first, I hadn't played Legion until I played Wrench in Bloodline. So I got the game after the fact. Mm. And I was going to play the Bloodline DLC first. I'm like, nope, let me play the main game. So I actually played the main game uh, with Wrench, uh, mostly as my protagonist, and it was a lovely experience. So then by the time, I thought it really worked well, but by the time I got to Bloodline, which was purely Wrench and Aiden, uh, I, I was good at the game. Uh, I knew how it worked and you know how to do stuff. So I wasn't, because I didn't want to play my DLC in the first time, not having played Watch Dogs Legion mm. and suck at it, and then not enjoy playing Wrench because I was terrible. Um, mm. So I, I played through it, got to the end, and I loved it. I thought it was great, and I'm really, really happy with how it turned out and, and my performance and everyone's performance involved in the game I thought was just outstanding. So I haven't had a chance to play that. I played uh, Legion when it came out, but I haven't played uh, Bloodline. It's fun. Sure. It's, uh, it's yeah. great. Um, and, you know, a lot of people even said, I, I read in reviews or told me directly, that just having Wrench and Aiden available in the main campaign, which is mm. you don't have a main protagonist, you just recruit whoever, exactly. gave the story... Uh, depth and and value that you just couldn't have with the regular characters. So um, nice, kind of a nod towards how character driven storytelling is still the way to go. Oh yeah, for sure. I love the idea they had at Ubisoft, but 
I think people prefer having characters with personalities and, and stories. Yeah, I just considering the way that players interact with the game and the story in the game, it feels like that. It, I don't know. It just feels weird when it's not character driven. You know what I mean? Like it's like you also uh, outsource the storytelling to the player, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to make up my own backstory for my construction worker. Fine, but it's not supported necessarily in, in the story. You know? That's what's Whereas, yeah, it's difficult. Wrench whatever he's trying to overcome, whatever Aiden's trying to figure out, we get to that in the story organically. You know, it's more satisfying. I have a question here from Scott that sounds like a very technical question regarding sort of acting technique. So I'm going to put it up here. It's something that um, Ed Hooks talks about in his lectures. I don't know if you know who Ed Hooks is. Ed Hooks is a, okay, Ed Hooks is he's actually interesting. I'd be kind of curious to get your perspective on Ed Hooks. He's, a, uh, he's an acting coach. He used to act a long time ago, but he actually ended up kind of ending up somehow being someone who is a bridge between acting and animators. And so okay. he's made a bunch of books called acting for animators. He's, he's okay. quite the, he's quite the icon in the animation industry because he's just so prolific and he's so generous with his time. Are you familiar with something called the, the, what is it? The Laban technique. I don't know if Scott. Laban. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've heard of Laban. I know a number of actors who've trained under it or who teach it. I just don't, I've never experienced it firsthand. Okay. So I'm not exactly sure. I know even what the application is, Okay, but I've definitely heard of it. Scott, I think it's just Scott trying to flex his, uh, his, uh, <laughs> that is an acting his, school though. Like yeah. an acting method for actors have all different approaches. Like, Oh, I'm Meisner. I do a lot of Meisner. Oh, I do Laban. I do this. Uh, there's no right answer. Acting yeah. is so subjective, whatever works totally. for you. You know, I went through a theater school. I learned all sorts of stuff. Yeah, where did you go to school? What theater studio school did you go to? I went to Dawson. At, oh, right. I forgot the you went Dawson to Dawson. Professional theater program, also I, known as the Dome. Yeah. Because our theater is called the Dome Theater. Yeah. Nice, nice theater, actually. They have a yeah. Really they, cool they, they, they built a new one a few years ago. Yeah. The old one was uh, really old, but a lot mm. of character, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have one last question here that I think is going to bring us to the end, probably. Um, it's another, well, actually that's not true. I, I actually have my own little question. I wanted to drop at the very end. It's not really a question, more of a fun topic to kind of close sure. the conversation. Um, and, and there's one brand that just popped up that is also quite fun. I yeah. Don't I don't know if it's the same one. Let me just this see. This is, is water now. If people are still tracking what I'm drinking. Yeah, <laughs> sure it is, Sean. Sure. Is it the question? Is it how much fun, David? Is that yes. the one? Okay. I'll put it up. All right. How much fun are you having right now? Exactly now. I couldn't resist not asking. Uh, I've been smiling the whole time, mm. uh, so none, no fun. He's whatsoever. Smiling. That's what I thought. Uh, no, I, you know, I. Well, you an actor. Love doing this. I love what I do. I love my job. I think I'm blessed to be able to not only make a living doing this, but I think I'm also blessed to live in a country mm. that allows me mm. to live doing this. Right. I mean, no doubt. I work hard, sure, but if if the you know if my parents hadn't supported me, if my wife hadn't supported me, if my country wasn't conducive to someone having that those kind of freedoms to explore that, I wouldn't be an actor, and I don't think I'd be as happy in life. Mm -hmm. um, so I love what I do. I love talking about it. Um, not so much because I, I want to talk about myself, but over the years, I noticed a lot of people tend to get uh, information or inspiration from what I say. They have questions. I love giving back. If I think of my journey to this moment as an actor, a lot of that is people taking time to be there for me, give me advice, support me, take a chance on me. Uh, you know, so I always want to kind of pay that forward as I'm a very grateful person. And, and so this to me, this conversation, especially with you guys who are so great 
and uh, it truly brings me back to when we used to work together. It makes me a little bit nostalgic, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's lovely. It's it's like um, like I'm checking in on on my career in a bit. Mm-hmm. You guys are like witnesses to it, and it's lovely. I I, I love it. I I I'd do it again in a second. <laughs> Awesome. Ah, uh, uh, shucks. I, you know what? I think that it's, it's, it's really interesting what you just said. Cause it, it's true, right? Like you, especially take a look at the world today. It seems to be a little upside down and, and it, you know, the fact that we do live somewhere where this is a job, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, animators have that feeling every once in a while too, right? We're just like, we get paid to do this. Like we're literally just going to work, nerding out about things we're naturally excited by p- making a game or making a film that we're probably would go and watch in the theater. This doesn't always end up being true, but sometimes it does. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of pretty awesome, really. Like, I mean, if you can find a way of balancing your life around um, a, um, a job like this, it, it can be a lot of fun. Really? It can be. I just, I always make sure though, that I, like, I never want to project this illusion of anyone mm. can do it. And you know, yeah, it's sure. easy for me. This is the combination of 25 years of my life. You know what I mean? Totally. Of living in shitty apartments or not having any money or my wife having to take out bank loans to support yeah. us because she didn't want me to get a job because she knew that if I just kept pushing, I'd catch a break. And if I got a job, I'd never, uh, pursue acting you know it's also a you know um i don't want to i don't sound controversial with this uh but part of what allows me personally to do this too is the choice i've made in life with my wife one of them being uh we never wanted kids um Mm. so we don't have kids and kids are wonderful i love kids my sisters have five between them and i love them to death but you know that also gave me a bit more time Mm. and financial freedom to pursue this life if I had you know two three kids I don't know if I'd be able to continue being an actor because you know Mm. that's expensive and you know Dave was talking about energy you pour your life your the entirety of your being into kids if you're a good father you know a good parent uh and that's going to take away from your time and your energy and and your health a little bit or can make it easier to take away from and it makes it harder to stay healthy Mm. or engaged or whatever so um you know no one ever handed me a trust fund and said, go be an actor. And if you fail, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I am self-built. It's job yep. it's working as a waiter for 10 years. It's, yep. you know, existential crisis at three in the morning, waking up going, what am I doing? I'm an actor. What am I doing? I have a mortgage, <laughs> you know, um, but swallowing that down and finding your peace and then embracing you know, your victories and kind of enjoying the ride. And, you know, again, I'm not flippant about this. I'm like, oh, it's fine. Whatever happens, I'll be fine. No, I still worry sometimes. Um, (laughs) But to me, that's part of the journey. And I really don't think I could be happier. Like Mm. when I'm headed home to my beautiful home with my wife, where my wife and my dog is. And, you know, I just had a great exhausting day and everyone was so happy with my work and I'm working on a cool project. I'm like, what's to complain yeah. about? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm so blessed to be able to have that experience. I always want to make sure I have lots of gratitude. So yeah, I am, you know, very much yeah. doing this. Gratitude is definitely one of the, the, the key for, you know, just life appreciation in yep. in general it, sure. it seems to be a constant uh feeling from those that are f- fully fulfilled with whatever they're they're doing i'd say so it's what i hear from most people who you know have found that and it's not easy to do necessarily but a lot of it comes with also learning to forgive yourself and being compassionate with yourself and 
valuing yourself and you know having your boundaries and thinking you're worth it you know what i mean uh i see so much self-doubt and self-loathing and feelings of of inadequacy on social media and, and around me you know it's it's disheartening i understand why the world is a bit of a dumpster fire um so that even gives me more contrast to go wow i'm you know i'm glad to be where i am and i want to make sure I stay humble and grateful. I think the big takeaway too, for me is just like choices need to be made and sacrifices will be made. You know, when, when it comes in, this is true for just about any following any kind of dream or passion, right? It's like, it doesn't just come on a silver platter. Basically. It's like, uh, it's a lot of work. Um, I, uh, I wanted to drop one last thing. There's two things I need to deal with before we close the stream. One of them is I see your comment. Um, Renat, Renari, I, I suck at this. I just, anyways, I see your comment about rating a channel. Absolutely. If you can just toss me the channel details in, in, in chat, I will be more than happy. We've never rated anybody before, so it'll be fun to raid somebody. So, Sean, just to catch you up, there's another uh, Watchdogs related um, um, uh, stream going on right now. So, the idea was maybe because there's a whole pile of people in here would appreciate that conversation. I second that. Jonathan is a dear, dear okay. friend of mine. Oh, that's One of awesome. The best relationships I forged when I worked on Watchdogs too. He became a friend of mine. Uh, I love him. Yeah, yeah. He's such a great guy. So totally. Jonathan. Uh, Dubsky. Okay, cool. So yeah. Play Josh if... in uh, Watch Dogs 2. Oh, the right office. on. Nice. The, that's the perfect. Camp. So yeah, yeah, if just make sure you drop the channel name because that's what I'll need to be able to, to, to raid the channel. But I did want to bring up one thing just just because I would be remiss to not bring up one of my favorite things that you've ever been a part of. And I'm going to drop it in chat right now. It's a link to the uh the the, the fan fan film uh punisher that was made eight years oh, ago now thanks, I think, right? guys that's awesome <laughs> and yeah so sean starred as punisher in this is great it's a lot of fun um if you're a, a fan of punisher i think you should go def definitely have a look I, I have a feeling that most people in chat have already seen it a few times but i've promoted um, it a few times i don't knock okay. people over the head with it when i can yeah yeah no it's awesome no, I, um I but yeah if you guys want to check it out it's super fun yeah i co-wrote it co-directed that's right co-edited yeah, co everything star in it i did all the choreography yeah. i worked with some amazing amazing people it was very collaborative yeah uh, and it turned out better than i could have hoped so it's, it's a very fun film a little violent but uh, very fun <laughs> punisher is kind of par for the course i think right it, yeah 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 <laughs> Well, Sean, honestly, it was amazing to have you on today. It was great catching up. David and I use this as a selfish way to catch up with awesome people. And so that, that box so got much. checked nicely today with you on the stream. So I had a thank lovely you. time talking to you guys. It was really great. And it was really nice to kind of walk down memory lane a little. Absolutely. Okay. Well, have yourself a wonderful rest of your days, David and Sean. Um, I and will stick Brent. around. Thank you very much, sir. And I'll stick around to make sure that this uh, channel gets properly transferred to the right location on Twitch. Cross your fingers because I've right. never done it before. Do, do I like click the leave or something? Uh, yeah, you. I'll, I'll, I'll going to be I'll, awkwardly hanging around. I'll, I'll, Brent awkwardly. is just going to toss you out. Yeah, well, just, what I'll do is say something. It'd be even better if you could be in the middle of saying goodbye and it cut you off in mid sentence, and I'll throw you off. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, David. Good seeing you. Bye, Tom. <laughs> Elena, Sean, we love you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Uh, oh, there we go. And now it's it's just me. <laughs> well done, I was Brent. laughing so hard. I was laughing so hard. I pressed the wrong button. Okay, bye, Dave. All right, so let's figure out this whole transfer raid situation here. I'm because I'm using restream. Hopefully, this works like this. I think it probably should. Let's. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? So I see the actual. It's pop Papa Papa Dube or Papa J Dube. Let me see uh raid channel papa ooh. papa j dude all right papa papa j dude
Oh, yeah, there it is. Papa J. Are they playing God of War right now? Papa J. Dube? Is that what's happening? Can someone tell me if they're playing God of War? Because that's what it says that they're doing. I just want to make sure I have the right, the right channel. Oops, I'm looking in the wrong chat. Oh, yeah, that's them? Okay, perfect. So I'm going to do it. It's exciting. I've never done it before. So let's, uh, let's, I don't know. I don't know. What, what does that do to me? I think it just closes the stream and then you guys just run off and join that other one, I guess. I mean, like, I'm just going to throw the switch and see what happens. Before I do, before I do, thank you for being here today, Chad. It was awesome to have you. It's awesome to have a lot of new faces in here. I'm super excited to see Sean has such a, um, a very enthusiastic and um, very loyal fan base. And uh, it, welcome to the conversation. Welcome to Agora Community. We, just so you know, we do a lot of streams. We have a website, agora.community, where we focus a lot on, um, on helping animators um, you know, grow their skills. And uh, part of that is a lot of free content on the site. We do streams every week. And um, yeah, anyway, so stick, you know, come back for another conversation because uh, we always have interesting conversations on here. So welcome to the channel and uh, we'll see you next time, next, uh, next time, hopefully um, on another stream. So let's hit this button, see what happens. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, Stay tuned and stay animated.